Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. Sort of mouse and joystick. I am your host Kyle, and of course, like always, joined by my two co-hosts, Michael and Noah. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing fantastic. How about you? I'm pretty good tonight. Awesome. Yeah, it's been a minute since we recorded, but uh, I think we had an okay reason for that. There was a lot of stuff that's been going on towards the end of uh, the month, so instead of just sitting on that information for a long time, we decided to we're going to wait a week. In this kind of lumping in with the last uh, last month, so maybe next month will be a little lighter. But regardless, let's uh, go ahead and get into the show for this month. Uh, and like always, I like to start the show with a little bit of discussion about what we've been playing as of late. Um, it's kind of as a follow up to the big topic of last month, like uh, how has Pokemon Go been doing now that it's two months old? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? How is how is it like held up since the last time we talked about it? Um, well, <clears throat> for me, I my involvement's kind of dropped a little bit. Uh, most part because it's a lot, or it's more difficult rather because now they've changed up the radar system a little bit. Get a little bit harder for people to go out and find things unless you willing to invest your resources like lures and incenses and like that so i've dropped off so i just use it as a casual kind of thing now where if i'm on lunch break at work i'll go and hit a few pokey stops um or if i'm at home and i've you know a half hour or so i'll walk around the neighborhood a little bit but i'm not making plans specifically to go out and do it anymore you know i'm in the same boat before i actually kind of wanted to go outside and look around for Pokemon, but then they just kind of kept making that harder to do. Like, they would reduce the spawn rate of certain Pokemon, and they made it so the tracker can't actually be used to find certain Pokemon that you want. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a nice... So, yeah, for me now, the game is something I just kind of open up whenever I'm on a lunch break or something. And if there happens to be Pokemon where I'm already at, that's cool. But if there isn't, then it's like, okay, I'm close the game and go do something else. Um... Also, I think we've we've all gotten a little higher level, and I just want to know if I'm the only one that finds it super freaking annoying that the difficulty of catching Pokemon has gone up, even for Pokemon that should be easy. Like, I think didn't they touch on that a little bit? Niantic said it was a bug, uh, where I think it was built into their anti-cheating system, and some people are being treated as cheaters because of poor GPS signals. Like, if you move around a lot the game thinks you're a cheater and then it like makes it so they run away more frequently. That could be the case, but then I'd like to point out that they messed up because it is punishing legitimate players. Yeah, I think yeah. they acknowledged <laughs> it, but they just have a really large patch cycle. Could be. But I think it hasn't addressed yet. 
it happens a lot where my GPS signal will like get messed up when I try to open up the game. So my character will be like running in circles that are like almost all the way across the street from where I'm actually at. And then it'll actually come up to where, you know, you're running too fast or you're going too fast and you shouldn't be in a car. And I'm just literally sitting here and my GPS is freaking out or whatever. (laughs) And I knew that was going to be a problem um, with, I don't know whether it's phones or GPS or is it the app, but I knew that was going to be a problem with a, it's such a, it's, it's still an, an, an exact way to do things like it hasn't been perfected which is not all my antics fault the last time we i made plans to go out with people and go catch pokemon is there's a place near our our houses that has two pokestops on top of each other so we like all drove over there got um all we saved up all our lures and then we had our hoverboards and we were just hoverboarding around those spots and like after i think 10 15 minutes of catching pokemon Every single one we got was just running. If we missed, if the Pokeball didn't catch him on the first go, we're like, "Well, this is dumb. We just spent, saved all these resources to use, and we only got ten minutes of actual, you know, good play time on it." Yeah, I realized this started becoming a problem when I had the issue where even like CP one hundred Weedles and stuff like that were breaking out of Great Balls or Pokeballs that I'd use a berry on, and I'm just like, okay. I should not be forced to use so many valuable resources just for a super common bug type Pokemon. It seems kind of absurd. Like, there's no way this would have happened beforehand. Like, even if there was some sort of anti-cheat mechanism in place where if you're moving fast, it reduces your chances. Because, like, I'm pretty sure I've never experienced that before. Like, Pokemon just gets harder to level, like, harder to catch as you level up. And by extension, your resources are just depleted unless you happen to live on or like work near a pokestop yeah so i'm guessing they have to work out the scaling issues on some of the factors in that it almost seems like they like like you said this wasn't this didn't feel like this when the first when the game first came out it only only after first couple patches it felt like this it almost seems like they could be doing this on purpose so you buy more pokeballs but I guess that's more of an evil look at it. Maybe that's not what's going on. Yeah, maybe that is, maybe it isn't, but see if they ever get to... Yeah, well, I mean, it's not not in a terrible position. I think there was a point where the game was really close to dying, but then they released a couple of minor updates which helped the just basic performance of the game. So I think it's on a bit of an upward swing right now. But, like, the high is not as high as it was when it first came out. Uh, I hope they can continue to be consistent with their updates and continue to make this game kind of what we hoped it would originally be. Because, like, there's just so much potential here. And I feel like even when they're doing a good job of updating, they're still not quite achieving that potential that could they could get. A little sad to see, but... I'm going to remain hopeful, and I'm going to keep an eye on this game just because, me being the Pokemon fanatic I am, I want this to succeed more than it already has. Alright. What else have you guys been playing? 
Anything uh, in particular that you, you just really want to talk about? Anything that was super exciting? Exciting? What's the best thing you've played this month? Oh. <laughs> I don't know how to... I'd have to say Siege. Yeah. Rainbow probably. Six Siege? Yeah, yeah. I can get down with that. Let's I mean, for being a year-old game, <clears throat> it's made quite a bounce in popularity. The fixes they've done. Well, I mean, also all the memes. <laughs> the, the memes. <laughs> that, that's, that's why I bought the game. My lord and savior, Chonka. <laughs> that's a new one I just discovered, but it's hilarious. So, uh, for those that don't um, know what we're talking about, we're talking about the first-person shooter that released last October, I think it was, by Ubisoft called Rainbow Six Siege. It's uh, one of those Tom Clancy games, so it's like a shooter that has a lot of emphasis on being relatively realistic or has a lot of authentic features that kind of help you to get really into the game. But uh, like the main gimmick of Siege in particular is the idea that you take relatively small maps and have these teams all focus on fulfilling different roles in an offensive manner or in a defensive manner. And then you create these maps that have huge amount of destructible environments, all while the teams fight over specific objectives like hostages or planting and defusing bombs. So like, I guess a way you could describe it, it's kind of like if you took uh, Counter-Strike but gave it destructible environments. Like, not exactly, but that's kind of just like a really rough idea what to expect. Best way to describe it. It's like, that doesn't do all the justice. Like, there's there's something magic about, magical about this game, in my opinion. I, can't, I don't know how to describe it. It feels good. It's very realistic. And um, I guess a lot of people will like that it's almost the, the situations you're in are almost realistic people you're playing in are um, either military or police force type of people and they uh, are specifically like their faction is specific for like certain roles in real life as in the game uh, for defending and breaching into buildings and the gameplay although sometimes it can be a bit not realistic I guess would be one way to put it the gameplay really adds to that and helps out. And I know that when it first came out, it wasn't that great, but now it's it's getting a lot better, and it's really it's it's at a high point right now for sure. Ubisoft gets a lot of things wrong, but they've been doing a lot of really good things with Siege ever since it came out. I will give them that. Yeah. Like normally, I'm like, okay, yeah, they release this game, and then they kind of like, oh, whatever, forget it. You know, we'll just go make a new one. But no, they've actually been taking their time and like listening to the community, listening to feedback for the players, and have been doing a lot of good with Siege. Like just recently, I know they have a, had a patch that came out that was relatively small, but it directly focused on a couple of specific balance issues that some people were having. And arguably, there's still kind of a problem afterwards, but like th they are aware of it and they tried to slightly tweak it enough so that it didn't like just straight up straight out you know like kill the strategies that were being used so like they're working on it and it's slowly going to get better and better i feel like yeah and i would like to commend 
their engineers on the netcode for that game because we very rarely encountered issues with connections to the games and or lag slash interruptions of a game. You know, that's a good point to even think about. I don't think I experienced any actual lag in the game until like 20 hours of playing it. And for a multiplayer, it's a very, for a multiplayer very game, solid. it's like, wow. How, and like hit detection and hit boxes, those are all pretty solid as well. I've seen worse. But I mean, as a shooter, it feels good because where you shoot is where your bullets go and your targets are getting hit by those bullets. So, yeah, that's all you can ask for. Let's talk a little bit about how, like, depending on which team you're on, it can really affect the way you play the game. Uh, like for defense, for example, when you start the game, you have, was it like a minute or maybe a little bit more, a little less? I, don't, I can't 30, remember. I think it's 40 seconds. 40 seconds. 40 seconds. Where but the, all you do? The what with the with the drones thing? Or is that what you're talking about? That's forty five yeah. seconds. Forty five seconds. Sure. Okay, yeah. The, the the defending team, they're given the, the forty five seconds to figure out like you know exactly which part of the house that they're supposed to be defending. It's usually the one you spawn in, but like just kind of orient yourself, get an idea like okay, where are the exits? Where are the entrances? How could the enemy team get into this house and reach the objective? And then. They're okay. Let's close off these doors. Let's put some metal reinforcements on these walls so they can't break it unless they're using a specific character. Let's uh, let's put some barbed wire here to slow them down. Like it's a choke point, so if they want to come through here, they got to slow down. There's a whole bunch of these little intricate strategies that you can employ to help improve your odds against when the enemy team eventually gets a chance to make a move on the house or wherever you're defending and go for the objective. It's so cool because while all that's going on, the uh, the offending team has that 45 seconds at the start where they pilot the little remote control drones and they can use that to scout around the houses or whatever that you're at and be able to spot the objective so that they can make a plan of their own of how they're going to breach into the houses. Like, even though it's just a short time, like less than a minute, there's so many factors that work during this time that can change the map immensely. Uh, really? Oh, sorry. I'll go right ahead. It, the big, the big factor of this game is pace. And uh, I kind of like to look at it, not entirely, but it has like characteristics of a MOBA where there's each unique character. Each one kind of brings a different play style to the game. But ultimately, you're locked into an attacking and defense, and you know there's the variation in between those roles where you can differ if you want to be more aggressive or more laid back, and you know wait and sit or go forward and seek out your enemy. But the pace of this game, I think, is one of the biggest factors. Whereas there are some characters um, that you pick where you definitely want to be the aggressor and take the initiative to go in. And clear out a room and take out your enemies where on the other hand there's some people where it's more of a psychological game it's like a slowed down version where you're trying to get them to run through all your your traps and you have to strategically place your equipment and all your tools at your disposal to kind of play that game so um each character kind of affects the pace a little bit so when you have five different characters it's like kind of brings all these different flavors together and makes for like a really interesting game and that's why i think it has a big replayable values because each game's different even though you know there are a fixed number of characters there's only 10 people in the game it, it there's enough diversity where 
there's just one thing that's different from game to game and it keeps coming back so you can just try out different different things each time that's that's why i like it the most but that's why i feel like this is a lot different than other first person shooters because it incorporates a lot of strategy but then it also controls pace or doesn't control it but allows the players to control the pace a lot more than in other shooters where most of them are fast paced and you're rewarded for being aggressive and just you know, brute forcing your way through the enemy team. I completely agree with that. Uh, I know that about a year ago when it came out, I do believe it was October of last year, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, there were quite a few people that were singing its praise saying, oh, man, you need to check this out. This game has a lot of potential. It's a little bit unique, too. Like, if you're a fan of personal shooters, you should really try it out. It's like it's doing something a bit different. And then it kind of just faded away after that. But then I feel like as of lately, it's having a bit of a resurgence in popularity. Uh, they've been doing a couple of cool things over like I know they had a couple of free weekends where you could download and play the game for free for a couple of days. And then the updates that have been coming out with the game, specifically the new content, like the new playable uh, characters to play as, was, have, have been going pretty good, pretty popular. Uh, fan favorites there. So, if you haven't had the chance to check out Rainbow Six Siege yet, I would definitely recommend checking it out, even if you're not the biggest fan of shooters, because it, it does do some things differently that you may be a fan of. And I do believe you can get it at a pretty good deal. Like, uh, depending on where you go, I think you can find it for like twenty or thirty dollars or so. I'm not sure how much it is on consoles, but it's probably down that low by now. I, I don't have any sources to confirm that, but. I feel like that is the case. All right, anything else that's, that has has there been anything else that's really stuck out to you guys as far as you played this month? Played um, the forest for quite a bit. Oh yeah, yeah, the forest. We uh, we dived into the forest pre-release alpha a bit. That's been quote unquote. Quite a fun, quite a bit of fun in my opinion. I don't know about you guys, but I was I was enjoying it. Very polished for how early in development it is. Surprisingly, right? At least mechanic, mechanic, you know, functionality wise. I mean, I remember I first played this game. It feels like two over two years ago when this first came out in early access, and how it was so bare bones. But like even then, the mechanics that were in the game worked just fine like as they were supposed to and since then they've just been slowly releasing new content updates and right now even though it's still technically an alpha there's quite a bit to do like the t technically the ending of the game is not there yet but you can get all the way up to the very end of the game but you just can't like get whatever the ending cinematic is and get the credits so like there's a little bit ending there but their journey to that point is pretty awesome, in my opinion. So, like, for those that don't know what we're talking about, the, the Forest is a uh, pre-release alpha that's available on Steam, where you're basically a character that survives a plane crash, and you're kind of, you're stranded out in the middle of, like, this fort, this, uh, this big forest. I think it's, like, an area that's surrounded by, like, the ocean and the mountains, so you're kind of stuck to the forest. There's, it's an island for sure. It's kind of like an island. You're basically in a circular play area. 
but the problem is like other than you know you need to get food and water to survive the elements that way there happen to be cannibals on the island i think they're cannibals yeah they're definitely cannibals there, there's cannibals on the island they so. even humans sort of like maybe they're i mean they're like a branch of human species they don't just eat people they like, however they do it, they do it on people. I mean, like, you could look at them, like, they're, they're natives or they're savages, because, like, they brutally murder people to eat them. They, like, worship their bones and stuff like that. So there, there's some scenery that you may come across that's quite disturbing, especially, like, a lot of mutilated bodies and stuff. Like, I feel like it does a pretty good job just kind of engrossing you in the atmosphere of the island forest or whatever you want to call this area yeah it does have a lot of immersion in it you give off a good feel and uh i think you know once you've gotten to the point where you have like your home base like you you make your base from scratch you go chop down trees take the logs and establish them so you have a grown log cabin where you can just sleep in tents and stuff like that set up gardens so that you can like like blueberries and grow boule bushes, uh, go out hunting for deer, lizards, rabbits, and stuff like that to eat. Like, there's a whole bunch of little survival things you can do that's pretty well polished, pretty exciting to do sometimes. But then, like, once you've gotten to that point, there's like this whole other aspect of the game where you kind of go on the offensive. And instead of just surviving, you go to like this elaborate uh labyrinth i guess you want to call it this whole series of caves that exists underneath the island where uh apparently all the savages live i think most of them are down there yeah. and then like once you're down there you discover that there's like these mutated subspecies of the the cannibals that have like extra limbs or like look like monstrosities and they act like bosses of sorts where you you're gonna you need to utilize all the tools you have in order to take them down and some of these things will be able to like tank up multiple Molotov cocktails, multiple bombs, a lot of arrows if you're going that route. So you need to work as a team in order to take these things out before you suffer too many losses yourself. But um, I kind of know that I think this is a pretty good example of how early access games should be handled. They're, they're not necessarily in the best state when they're first released, but over a period of time, you definitely see a lot of improvements being made, and you can tell that developers are hard at work to try to make this the best game they can possibly make, even though it may take a while. I'm not sure how much it is right now. I think it's still like ten or fifteen dollars on Steam. Uh, if you're if you're against early access titles, I understand, but uh, if you're looking for one of the better survival games out there, I'd recommend The Forest. Especially in co-op. Still $15, but yes, it is very, very good game. Worth it. Even at this point, if this is how far the game went, I'd still buy it. I mean, for $15, I think we've already got our money's worth out of it. I, I put... Between a couple of different attempts at surviving, I think I put over 25 hours into the game. Yeah. 
the uh, and the base building has a lot of potential. I know they're going to keep working on that. Uh, we didn't do any custom um, buildings. We did a custom wall, but we didn't do any custom buildings. But I've seen, I I've built one myself, and I've also seen other people do it. And they're with the way it's going right now, I can get very creative with it. Um, and as soon as this game puts in an ending, and I'm guessing there's going to be a little bit more story into it than that we can read. And I know we haven't found all the passengers yet, and I'm guessing they're not all going to be in the caves. Most of them were, but there was like, what, like 70 passengers on the list that we got. And I'm guessing they're, they plan on adding a lot more before they are going to finish it, before they even add Timmy, I bet. Oh yeah, we totally forgot to mention that. Um, like the goal, like your overarching goal is, your son was on the plane with you and he crashed, and like you know that he survived, but you saw him get taken by one of the cannibals. So you're like on this mission to find where the cannibals take took him, and hopefully they didn't do anything bad to him while you're out conscious or whatever. So there's a bit of a pressure. There's a bit of pressure to like oh, I should really you know hurry up and go find my son, but you don't know if he's even alive. Like it's a cool and dynamic. Maybe not as fleshed out as it could be, but it's there. It's a bit of motivation that you can keep on your mind when you're out there just looking for more rabbits to kill. But seriously, you can never have too many rabbit skins. <laughs> All right. Um. So, would you guys like to hear about a? prime example of how not to release an early access survival game? Sure. Why not? Survival? What do you mean? I, I just that this up, this other game that I played is a early access survival game, but it, it turns out it's not early access. It's actually a fully released game. And I'm talking about the the hyped up No Man's Sky. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I wasn't expecting a whole lot from this game. At least not as of late. Like when it first came out, I was like, oh man, procedurally generated galaxies of bajillions of planets. That sounds awesome. But then I, I kind of just, you know, like I'm like, I forgot about it there a while, I'm like, oh, whatever. But then it finally came out and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. It's an interesting concept, you know, it's like an indie studio. Let's let's check this out. And boy, is this game just super incredibly average at best like i have never seen so much potential in a game and so many other features just implemented so bare like in such a bare bones manner that just bored me to death like when you first start the game you you're you're, you're on the plant you're on this planet you don't know which it, what planet it is you don't know like exactly what's going on all you know is you're on this planet you're by yourself, and there's a spaceship near you, but it's like broken down, so you got to fix your spaceship. So, and then after that, that like you're just like wandering around, trying to discover how to fix your spaceship because it doesn't specifically tell you how to do that. You're just like looking for materials that might go with it, and you might not. Because you don't know where to look for certain materials unless you Google it beforehand. Uh, like this, this game literally has no tutorial at all, <laughs> none. 
I yeah, thought you I got to pick between starting without a tutorial or starting with. Like the only thing that it teaches you how to do is every once in a while a button prompt will be will come up and be like, press X to launch your spaceship. And this will happen after like five hours when you've already flown to ten different planets. Because this game feels like it needs to remind you of the button prompts, even though there's only a couple of buttons that are actually usable in the game. But um Anyway, like the whole gimmick of the game was you can go to any one of these bajillion planets, explore, discover new creatures, new plant life, and stuff like that. Name it for yourself so that if other people visit your galaxy, they'll see what you named it. And they'll see that it was you that named it. And then, like, you're, inter- you're immortalized on this planet as, like, the founder of the discoverer of it. Like, you're the Christopher Columbus or something. But. <laughs> but you can't go back to it that's the thing if you ever leave your little isolated galaxy because I don't know what that's right for it but like every time you go to like a new galaxy there's like anywhere between three and five planets or something on in there and then if you warp drive to a new galaxy you never go back to the previous galaxy you were so even though you may spend hours and hours on this one planet discovering all the wildlife on it naming it all customizing the whole planet once you leave that's it you can never go back and like see how your planet has developed spoiler it doesn't um but like the good news is once you leave that planet and go to another one uh you should feel right at home because the planet planet is nearly identical in every way the only difference is they'll have a different color filter on the ground. You will experience basically the exact same animals, except maybe with a different head. The plant life is exactly the same, even if you go light years away. Uh, the ground may be different, but like the same idea is there's certain ores that you'll look for. But once you have enough of it, you won't ever need it to get again. Uh, because like the only real objective to this game is mining ore so that you can make money buy more inventory slots for your spaceship so that you can mine more ore so that you can sell the ore to get a bigger spaceship to hold more stuff so they can go sell more stuff to get a bigger spaceship and the cycle continues on and on and on and on like technically, no, no real end technically they want you to try to find the center of the universe which they said was possible. Oh boy, let me tell you about I that. I've heard even that's and people. I've and then there's also underwhelming. So there are two yeah. side objectives. The first one is there's like this. I don't really know how to describe it. There's like this extraterrestrial being that has like a godlike appearance to it, sort of. It's like a red blob called the Atlas that will show up to you every once in a while, just like randomly. And the atlas like wants you to go to a certain place, and you can choose to do that or choose not to. However, if you choose to follow the atlas's directions, he'll take it to a certain galaxy or whatever. He'll take it to this like old relic spaceship or something, and then once you get there, all the atlas tells you is some some bullshit like you did well, my son, but know that all of this is a big simulation. 
And I'm just, I'm just like, okay. So why did I come all this way to meet you for, for you to tell me this is all fake? Like, what was in it for me? Apparently nothing, because after that, the only other goal you have is to make it to the, the center of the universe. The center of where all the different galaxies are. And uh, let me tell you, that too is a huge waste of time. Because you want to know what happens no. when you want, want to know what happens when you get to the center of the galaxy or the center of the universe? What? Nothing. <laughs> what do you mean nothing? So when you make that final warp drive to take it to the core of the galaxy of the universe, like yeah. the big shining ball that's there. Yeah. The camera zooms out and keeps zooming out further and further away. Your camera zooms past all of these different galaxies that you explored. All these other galaxies that other players may have explored. And then the game resets and you're back on a planet. Another planet where you start a new game. And you have to do the whole cycle over again. And that's it. I do know that, yeah... This game has gotten a lot of bad rap for good reason, very good reasons. I'm not saying they're not, and I'm not saying that this game is good. I, what I'm saying, I am going to say that this game will appeal to some people because some people get the urge when they're playing basically mining games or games like that where you're collecting things to get more things. It's very satisfying just mine things as much to get things as much as you want collect things and then be able to sell those things to buy new things basically it's very simple and it's very sometimes or a lot of people see it as stupid and boring why would you want to do that all the time but watching i've watched co carnage play no man's sky and he explains it many times because many of his Twitch followers and people who watch him didn't understand why he enjoys it so much. And he basically said about the same thing I did was that he just enjoys this type of thing and he knows it's not going to be for a lot of people. And this game is not, it shouldn't be done. It should have a lot more to it because that's the only thing that's to it right now. All you can do is the thing that most people are not going to like. I mean, to be fair, it's... I am being a little over cynical, and there are other things you can do. Uh, every once in a while, you'll discover like a little base, and when you go inside, there'll be extraterrestrial life. There'll be like these different aliens that are of an intelligent species, and they'll try to communicate with you. But you won't understand what they're saying because. There's this like mechanic in the game where each of these intelligent alien species have their own language. So until you learn the language, you don't understand what they're saying. Which, you know, like that makes sense. It's kind of cool. Uh, the only problem is it's a cool idea, but they don't execute on it correctly or there's not nearly enough of it fleshed out. Because as far as I know, there's only three intelligent alien species in the entire universe. So, they never say which species you are. No, you're just a blob of something that no one cares about. Like, 
So in order to learn their species, you either trade them common items, like you may just have like resources on you that are relatively common, but if you give it to them, they'll be like all happy and they're like, here, here's a new word. They'll teach you one word of their language. Which one word at a time. One word at a time. Which is not very helpful when you need to learn like entire sentences worth of words. Is it like three hundred right now? I have no idea. Three hundred. There's a lot of words in these languages. <laughs> and learning them one word at a time takes a long time with the ways you can because there's not very many ways you can learn them. There are little like all them there's things like, around the planet like that you are like find like random uh, monuments or something that have language inscribed on the side so you can like read it and that'll teach you a word somehow by reading the alien language you learn the alien language i'm not really sure how that and works coming into this i felt like you know maybe one of these cool places on a planet would be a library or something like that because if these planets are sentient and they're very, very advanced and knowledgeable, like they would have libraries. And I know what that's sort of what the obelisks are supposed to be. But I mean, I feel like if they could teach you like like twenty words at a time, like you find a book and it teaches you however many words or whatever, like anything but learning one word at a time. Because I know people are going to be very OCD about it and going to want to learn all the languages. And that's going to take like 40 hours of time, at least. Per language. There's three of them. Yeah. And you have to go to different planets. Huh. You have to find a planet that has that species on it. And yeah. I don't know if this is true or not. This is just something I heard. I don't know if this person had any proof of this. But apparently... It is possible to learn repeated words. Oh, so, really? Even though you only learn one word at a time, sometimes you will relearn a word you already knew, which can make that process even longer. Now, like I said, I don't have proof on this, and I don't know if it is true or if they fixed it or something like that. That's just what I heard, and that's that was a couple of weeks ago. I know they've had a couple of patches come out since then, but I haven't bothered to play the game again. Um... But, but yeah, like, I know I've said this a couple times tonight already, but, like, this is a game that has a lot of potential. But they're definitely not execute. They definitely did not execute on the initial impression that they gave me and a couple of other people. Because I know a lot of people were saying that they lied about the features that were going to be in the game, which is true, because if you go back and watch previous interviews with the developers and some of the trailers... A lot of the stuff in the trailers does not appear in the game whatsoever, and it's like total fabrications. And developers said some stupid shit like, it's totally possible that you can go meet other players in this game when there's no multiplayer whatsoever. I don't know how that's possible, but he said it. But, um... I, that I, happened with the... Yep. They, makers of this, when Sony came to them, we're going to give you a ton of money to finish this game. We'll get it out before you thought this game was going to be done. But it needs to be done by this time. It'll come out on PS4 first and not on Xbox. I'm not sure. I don't think there is an Xbox One version in the works at the moment. 
It's it's yeah. It's not so, close to release anyway. PS4 is basically getting exclusive rights to it just because Sony dumped so much money into it. But I'm guessing that Sony wanted it done by a certain time so they could fit in, so it doesn't like compete with our other games that are coming out soon, mm-hmm. like next year when all these other big PS4 exclusive games are coming out. They don't want this to also be exclusive to PS4 for a little bit and then go to PC because it'll compete with them. So they wanted it finished now so they could, uh, so it wouldn't compete with that. And now it's not complete because they had to release a game that really honestly should still be in beta. Get all these things polished because they wanted to add so much more to this game and it's not there. That's my speculation on what happened. That's probably not exactly what happened. But it, I feel like it's the only thing that makes sense why it was rushed. Possibly. For now, I'd like to refer to it as a $60 early access title with less polish and less features than the forest. So yeah, don't don't get this game. Don't don't get this game yet. Wait till it's Wait. on sale if you really want to try it out. Just trust me. Wait. You'll be, be you'll be better off because of it. For your, like for the your sick and your sanity. Just wait. Speaking of sanity. Um yeah, and how let's, about that? let's keep, continue with disappointment. How about that Battlefield 1 beta, guys? <laughs> it went... It was... I was looking forward to Battlefield 1. I still am, honestly. But... When it's on sale. The beta didn't help too much. <laughs> I know some people really, really like Battlefield 1 so far, even after they play the beta. But... I went from, oh yeah, this is probably a game I'm going to pick up day one, to I might buy this next year, if it's on sale. Maybe. Uh, there's, There's just a lot that maybe I wasn't prepared for, but I just feel like they're going in the wrong direction in quite a few ways. Uh, it could just be because, you know, it's a beta and there's limited features, but it's important to know that this is a quote-unquote beta that's about a month away from release, so it's not really a beta. This is all, like, finalized content for the most part. But, um... Hopefully. Hopefully it's... But, yeah, like, I Hopefully it's more beta than we think it is. Hopefully. Uh, I, I, I don't really know where to start when talking about this game, like... What what is something that stuck out to you most that this game has, whether it be a negative thing or a positive thing for you guys? Map design is funky. I liked it. I like the map, but it I, we always will hate the beta map for a battlefield beta. <laughs> then again, the the way the rocks worked and the way some of the buildings worked, it did off. I mean, the sniping was... This map has like kind of a weird design where if you imagine like a crescent moon that's upside down, you have like the top side of the map where there's a bunch of little buildings that you can go into, so it's like close-range combat, a lot of like SMGs and shotguns and stuff in there, or melee weapons if you'd like. But then we go to the south side of the map, 
it's completely wide open desert and there's like cliffs on the like west and eastern sides of the map so snipers can just chill up there and if you happen to be spawning on that south side of the map you're toast you're never going to get out of your spawn <laughs> like just the sheer number of snipers on this map is ridiculous and i know yeah, it's, I, think... I know it's a battlefield game there there tends to be a lot of snipers in battlefield games but i feel like they may have overtuned the sniper class in this, or maybe it's just because the other ones feel undertuned. I think that's it. The uh, I think a lot of it there's has a, to do with the physics engine behind the bullets and stuff. Yeah, so like for those that are familiar with Star Wars Battlefront, they basically reused the bullet physics from that, which are not bullets; they're plasma beams or like laser rifles or whatever you want to call them from star wars so like you'll shoot you have an assault automatic weapon and you start firing at automatic velocities but like the bullets you can like see the bullets fly through the air and you feel a huge delay from where you were aiming to like when the bullet hits there which they're like floating through the air they're like floating through the air and it just feels really bad when you're fighting firing certain weapons Especially like the SMGs are kind of bad in this game. Not just kind of bad, they're pretty bad. Yeah, I don't think I touched the assault class at all. Like maybe a couple times, but you wanna know what pisses me off a lot about the assault class? Their like their main gimmick is being the anti vehicle class. But they have like one of their key items is the anti tank grenade that only does twenty damage to tanks. So you get like even the light tanks, even the light tanks. So in order to take out one of the tanks, you need to have like four or five grenades, twice as many as you're going to get. Not to mention because of the ridiculously floaty mechanics of like floaty physics, you need to get like point blank range in order to throw these grenades on it. Or if you see four for that matter. So essentially, uh, in order to take out a tank, it's not a one-man suicide mission. It's like a whole squad of suicide bombers that have to take out a tank. Even Which then, I understand. That does make sense, though, to the time. Kind of? I mean... I mean, like, if they were trying to be authentic to the time, I don't think they would have that many automatic weapons and that many different ethnicities in the war and et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. I, just I don't get, know how often they were shooting for. Like, I just get this and... weird feeling that they really wanted to do a World War One game, but then they're trying really hard to not make it feel like World War One. Yeah, because like, a lot of people it... were too. They wanted that. I mean, to be honest, I but maybe it was just that map that gave it that feel. But it's entirely possible because uh, I remember when they did a like private closed beta, closed alpha or whatever for the game. Almost everyone was unanimously saying how great it was. And it could have been because of the maps, or maybe they did something to the balance since then that negatively affected things, but I don't want to completely write it off, but I just feel like there's something not right with this game. There could be multiple things not right with this game. It just doesn't feel right to me. 
We also dropped an engineer class out of the rotation, which is unfortunate. I thought that was my bread and butter right there. Now I gotta try to use the I mean, assault class, and I feel like I'm getting nowhere when I do that. The validity of vehicles in previous battlefields dropped significantly, I think, in the last couple games, unless you were like a top notch pilot. Sometimes. Slash operator. Let me tell you if you were good in a vehicle in Battlefield 4, you could still wreck everything. Yeah. Like, those are the people, but then, like, the middle-tier people can't use it because you can just get shot down super easily, but it's, like, that kind of skill gap that they're maybe trying to level out a little bit. So now it's, like, no engineers, so you can't heal vehicles unless you're a pilot that drops out of a plane and decides to go help out your teammate team. So, like, true, it takes, like, five people to blow up one tank, several tanks on the map, but they also can't heal themselves, so it's like a one-and-done kind of situation. But maybe if they tweak it, just give them a little bit more damage on the infantry side. might work itself out, but I feel like they're trying to solve a problem that maybe wasn't a problem. Maybe just fit in the battlefield ecosystem and everybody is fit, so we'll see how that how was the flying? I know you spent the most time in the v in the plane than any of us. I'm, I'm not oh, saying I enjoyed it a lot. It looked fun. Um, it is fun. Uh, when you're in a vehicle, this game's amazing. However, if you want to be, you know, effective as a team teammate, planes probably aren't your best option because um, well, the attack, the attack, the smallest one. Attack aircraft uh, is great at taking down other airplanes, which are usually up all the time. It's like you always have a target. Um, but as far as ground attack, I put on a few attachments to it, and like you know, you do a little bit. But it's so like the way the physics for flying are. It's really hard to do ground attack unless you're using bombs. So like that's not really what that plane's for. Um, there's a middle bomb or middle plane with one bomb, and then it has a tail gunner, and then like it's in between. So if you want a bomb, you can bomb. If you want to try and take out a bomber, you can. Um, but the guns on the big bomber, which is probably your best bet for helping out your team, you can drop bombs. And I think there's a few attachments for like napalm bomb, which I attached but never got to use. Uh, it has these massive machine guns on them that do ridiculous amounts of damage. So anybody who's above you. Uh, it's going to get shot down easily. And even you can use the turrets on the top for the bomber's ground attack because it just do so much area of effect damage, which surprised me because, like, you figure they'd be raggedy sh machine guns up on top of these, like, paper mache airplanes. They were, like, some serious, uh, serious weaponry up there. Um, but, yeah, in short, flying's fun. It's a great, it's a great feeling. And I recommend a controller if you're on a PC because mouse and stuff is really mm -hmm. funky. But it felt great. Um, depending on what role you want to do with it, most people lean toward the bombers. I think most people lean toward the middle bomber because you had a machine gun and you could just. I felt that was good. Uh, That's good to hear. Maybe, maybe tweak health on some planes or maybe adjust some of the accuracy on the machine guns for smaller planes 
because they felt a little bit ineffective against other targets other than the big bomber. Other than that, it felt good. So a couple of the other vehicles that are included in this game, obviously there's like light tanks and heavy tanks, just tanks of like artillery on them, uh, the planes. But there's also horses. They're interesting. I don't know how I feel about them yet. They're kind of in the same boat of planes where you get like a separate class for them. Like I know horses, you can't, you don't jump into a horse and then jump off and you're stuck in a class. But if you jump in a plane, you know, you switch to the pilot slash engineer class in the game. But on horses, you get a sword and a rifle that's pretty nice. And it kind of like, is almost like a class in itself. But it felt good-ish times, but I still like it was a little clunky at some points. I've heard people raving at how how well they did horses in a video game. Realistic realism only goes so far in video games when you're trying to make it. I, I I would not describe them as realistic whatsoever. Especially when uh you know you're you're in a tank, having a good time, see an enemy horse go by. Okay, I'm gonna shoot the horse with my artillery shell. Direct hit survives. Alright, reload. Alright, set him with another tank shell. Direct hit, they're still alive. I'm like, dang, that is one tough horse right there. <laughs> I can I understand. A couple of snipers. It is possible to snipe the the rider off, but for some reason if you try to hit him with splash damage, the horse absorbs most of the damage. I think sniper rifles are only doing 15 damage to a Yeah, they're bulky. So uh, I guess it's probably for the best because if you just took normal realistic damage on a horse, they would be completely useless because you're just a big, super easy to kill target. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of cool. Um, I think this is something that's kind of specific to the this map in particular, but then there's also that heavily armored train that can go through every mm -hmm. once in a while. I don't really, I don't know how do you, you like unlock it or let your team use it, but every once in a while, one team would get access to this heavily armored train that would just kind of drive through the middle of the map and players could jump in and there's like multiple super heavy turrets on it and you were super armored. So once you got into the train, unless you were having like unless someone on your team was dropping bombs on it you probably could not be able to, you would not be able to kill that train so the enemy team would just kind of set up in the middle of the map with this what's essentially like three armored tanks back to back to back you wouldn't be able to do anything about it just just run and hide which i guess it kind of makes sense it's not as easy to kill a train as you would imagine it is but i don't know like i hope that's something that doesn't happen all the time because it's Quite honestly, a big annoyance if your whole team is not working together to take it out. Because that's like a big theme. Like, in order to take out tanks, you need a big chunk of the entire team to take it out. Like more than just yeah. one squad to work on that. Like, and it's really hard to do when it's you can't really communicate between different squads or different people on a team through voice. You know, like you have to do it through text chat. You just like assume everybody knows what to do. I'm sure if you manage to get into a game with a bunch of veterans and they all know what to do, this game's probably a lot better. And this is a beta, so a lot of people don't know like what they should or should not be doing. I don't want to write this game off right away. 
but my excitement for it has definitely dropped a bit because it just wasn't that fun. The whole idea of being a World War One doesn't feel as exciting as it should be because they're trying very hard to not make it feel like World War One. They're trying to keep it modern enough so that fans of previous Battlefields can hop right in and feel right at home. Which I kind of understand. Like It totally makes sense from a business, uh, yeah, business perspective to do that. Um... Yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts on that. I don't know if you guys want to add anything else to that. Or we should move on. Yeah, I think uh, I probably won't pick it up on launch, uh, depending from what I hear. But I'll keep my eye on it. But, uh, yeah, it all depends on uh, depends on when it comes out. I guess we'll be able to see all the maps that it has and how the gameplay's going. I feel like if they have more close quarters things, it'll be more fun. Um, more where I can get away from the snipers. Normally, they do have at least one map where there's no vehicles and it's all close quarters. So, I guess we'll see how and it goes. Rush, rush mode and that felt horribly unbalanced. Oh my god, Rush is rush, rush, terrible. I'm rush so... with vehicles is always a bit hard to do. And on that map, with snipers already being unbalanced as they are, it's bad. Yeah, like here's Rush on that map for those uninitiated. The offensive team starts up like on the eastern side of the map. They get three tanks. They get these cliffs that they can hide on to snipe from above. They get some pretty good cover as they approach to the defending side of the map. The defending side of the map gets like one light tank or something like that. And they spawn out in the middle of the open for the snipers to shoot them. So from the very start of the game, you're just a sitting duck. And it continues on through multiple points of the game. Like, I, I played a couple of different matches of Rush. And each time I was on defense, I was just like, I don't want to do this. I just want to quit this game because it's going to be a waste of time. Why Why am I here? Why? What, what did you do to Rush Dice, why'd you do this to me? Killing me now. So, as far as other shooters go, have you guys been keeping up on Overwatch at all? Uh, I've been reading the red page, and that's about as much. I, I haven't played uh, it a whole lot. I, I played a couple games here and there, but I, even though they had a big update recently where... They added a new map. They redid all the ranked mechanics, like how ranked mode works. I haven't really had a chance to try that all yet. Try all that out yet, so I can't really comment on it. But um, yeah. So Overwatch is still going pretty strong. I feel like there's still quite a few people that play it. I know some people almost exclusively play it. There's still quite a few people doing that. Um, any thoughts on the game? How it is, like what the future of it looks like. Overwatch still has so much potential, and I mean, it did. It was number one for a while, wasn't it? Uh, number one game in the world. Pretty sure it was. This game it was, was trending huge. in all cafes and stuff. But I feel like um, it's good that they're still coming out with. Um, I mean, still, I mean, they're coming out with the interesting 
things. I did like how, how they did stuff with the uh, the Olympics and. Uh... Oh yeah, that I forgot. There's a lot of controversy surrounding that. Oh, was there? Yeah, so Blizzard introduced these uh, like a Olympic themed battle chests that you can unlock by leveling up. Uh, that's cool. Rewarding people for playing the game. That's that's nice. Uh, the problem was that included in the game were some visual content like skins and other things that could only be gotten through those special chests. And if I remember correctly, that means even if you had gold saved up, I don't think you could buy the special skins. You had to unlock them through the chest. Right. And I don't... I, were you allowed to buy them? I can't remember if that was... The, no, you weren't allowed to buy them. You were not allowed to buy the skins. You were not allowed to buy the chests. Oh, you could buy the chests. You just couldn't buy the skins. Couldn't buy the skins. Because so, basically what it did is it turned all the normal chests into the event chests. So like, you couldn't get a normal chest. Yeah, so, like, here's the problem. Like, any chest. There's these exclusive items only available in the Olympic chests. But because the chests are, in nature, completely random, there is a really good chance that even if you invest a lot of money into the game or a lot of time into buying or a lot of time to get in chests, you may not get that one item you really wanted. And a lot of people have a problem with that because it's essentially a form of monetization where you're not even guaranteed to get what you want. You're, in essence, gambling to try to get what you want. A lot of people were upset because Blizzard said that they wouldn't do anything like that. And then, like, the first big update to the game, they did something just like that. So I know people were upset about that. I totally see where they're coming from. And it kind of sucks because there were some really cool skins. But, like, no matter how rich you were, how much money you gave Blizzard, there was a chance you would not get what you wanted. Well, you I, mean, know, maybe it's like a, I mean, maybe it's like a... I mean, it increases your odds quite a bit. It's just kind of weird because every other item in the game could be purchased if you had enough of the in-game gold. So I'm not sure why they decided not to include that same feature for those skins. Even if they were only limited time, you could still buy them with gold during that limited time, I would I'd imagine, right? Like, I don't know, it just seems kind of weird and kind of a kind of a jerk move for those that maybe don't have the time to invest in the game. They just want to get the skins they like and have fun with that, but they didn't get that chance to. I don't know. I think Overwatch overall, you have to remember Dota and League didn't really pick up for a few years after they started. So once they get a bigger character hero base, I feel like there's a little bit more diversity in in it to where it'll be more attractive to people. Because right now you're there's 21, 22. Something like that. That amount of heroes. Where most games like it, loosely like it, have, you know, 100 plus characters to pick from. So, like, you're seeing an issue where you're playing a game, but you'll see the same characters in every game. Which I know a lot of games are where you play the same characters, but in a game like this, um, 
where you kind of have like access to a limited number um, where they're trying to promote diversity, but ultimately there's only a, you know, a small amount of diversity. It kind of feels weird at, at the moment, but I mean, they've already added one character after launch and they've been teasing another one for quite a while. So hopefully they'll pick up the pace because I know they said they had a pretty aggressive schedule for releasing them, but I don't think they've kept that aggressive schedule yet. So think, maybe after they get the more core about core issues solved, like ranked and gameplay issues, I'll focus more on that. Yeah, it's definitely possible that the the issues that were going on with the ranked mode may have delayed that a little bit, but I think they're getting back on track. I think the general impression is that people like the way ranked is being held, handled now, at least more than previously. Like You're never going to get that right or perfect. Right. There's always going to be one Everybody's thing that's complain. keeping the system flawed in a way. But uh, I don't want to like you know sound like I'm trashing on the game or anything because I think at the end a of this fantastic year, game. yeah, I think at the end of the year this game is still, I'm gonna look back and I think this is still gonna be one of my favorite games for the entire year. It's just that we're in context of what are some of the issues with it. This is what are we're being critical game. because we love it, right? If you looked at the community, you might see a slump in participation. That's just because it's developing still. Yeah, that's just kind of the nature they of it. Sweet spot of they've got enough heroes. The ranked is at a system where a majority of the players like it. And they have enough map diversity that it's a it's a fresh experience to where you can play over and over and over and over again. Uh, do you guys know by chance like how the the esports scene is going with Overwatch? I haven't been following I've it, but I I think it's the, doing pretty well. I they just had this thing where you could vote for your country or region, I guess, for who would play as you in some tournament promoted by Blizzard. Not a hundred percent sure if it's been picked up by like a like I don't know if. Blizzard has like a big esports division. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do for other games, but <laughs> Blizzard esports, like... Blizzard and esports, just kind of go hand in hand. They have for the past like well, yeah, for like, like 10, Starcraft, ten or fifteen years, stuff like that. But like, I haven't seen any official structure for Overwatch yet. But then again, I haven't really been looking that hard. It doesn't seem as obviously. Advertises their other games have been as far as their competitive yeah. scene goes. I mean, then again, who, where do you actively see things? Unless it's like super big. Yeah, like esports are like, still growing. In like, do they even have a thing in the menu where it's like so and so is facing so and so right now over on Twitch.tv forward slash blah 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 blah? I know like I a, lot, the a lot of other games do is... that. They like they'll advertise tournaments in the main menu, but I don't know if Overwatch does that. I think they're the teams, like the big teams everybody knows by, are still getting teams together or haven't publicly announced that they have a team. Like right now, it's just like amateurs or not amateurs, but I guess they're amateurs now until they uh, set it up. But I think it's just individual people coming together to form teams for tournaments and not like, you know, ESMs and digital. Dignitas and CLG and Cloud9 and all those guys coming together with their big esports companies and putting together a team. 
Yeah, no, they no, I, have you. I know TSM officially announced they're picking up an Overwatch team. So they're going to be fan favorites. Yeah, of I've course. heard that's the only official team. That's just I've how it seen that pops up in my outlets. There could be others Te that have announced it, and I just haven't seen it. Club Nine has been probably will pick one up eventually. I'm not saying right now or anytime too soon because they they waited three years to get into the league, but they have a team in like almost every other. They're quite uh, successful in other games too. Game, I, almost every other game that has uh, esports, I know that they have a team. I'm pretty sure. Okay, so Cloud Nine does have an Overwatch team. Good to know. Good to know. I don't really know any well, of the I... notable Overwatch players, so I can't really comment on like how good their teams are. But it's a thing. It's a thing. I wonder. Just speculation here. If like players from one game could be players like on a different game for a team too you know like maybe but, someone from like counter not saying counter strike but or something like that is a really good player in like overwatch i wonder if they can be on two of their teams teams or maybe like at the same time yeah i mean what are the i wonder if there's differences in seasons or I don't know. Just just speculating and questioning. I don't know how much like, how I feel like that wouldn't be a thing. Anyway. I don't know. So it looks like what happens now what what's happening now is there's these amateur teams forming. They're being picked up by organizations. So like uh Cloud Nine picked up the team called Google Me, who is number two globally and number one in the North American region. And they're ranked. So they're a good team then. Um, so that looks like there's uh, amateur slash, you know, uh, private teams. I don't know, private, but just a group of people that got together and played together and made it to the top of the leaderboards. And that's the dream right there, isn't it? Working hard to achieve a goal and then getting recognized for that. Anyways, I think, yeah, Overwatch is still in a good place. Uh, I think going into next year, it's still going to be going very strong. Unless Call of Duty or Battlefield has something that really impresses most people. If you're into that, that's that's your thing. Yeah, I think, you know, Overwatch is still, it's still going. I'm probably going to go back to it every once in a while. I'm sure you guys will too. Um, Michael, talk to me about the wasteland, or better something that we have all been yet, looking forward to. The final DLC for Fallout Four. Something we have all been looking forward to, of course. Uh, Full World came out on the third August, and is going to be the final DLC as of now, and probably definitely going to be the last one for Fallout 4. Um, and it, it features a base, a theme park, almost like Disney World, or I, I would I would probably 
uh, say, more like Disney World or Universal Studios or something like that instead of a roller coaster one. Just because it has different themed parks, but it is a theme park based around Nuka-Cola, the drink exclusive to Fallout. It's like if Coca-Cola had a theme park. Basically. And it's the whole reason to why they use caps as a currency in Fallout, in the Fallout universe. Because Nuka-Cola was so big that it was everywhere, basically. Um, this theme park basically features uh, like five different parks, with technically six, um, because the main entrance is called uh, I think Nuka Town, or yeah, Nuka Town USA, and the other parks are wow, I don't remember the names, so one is basically a zoo, second one is Galaxy, uh, like a space themed one. And then you have a frontier slash cowboy themed one. Um, one that is a Nuka Cola bottling plant. It's basically like taking you through like a tour of their bottling plant. And it also has a river of Nuka Cola Quantum. And oh, the God. last one, <laughs> the last one was, is Kitty World, which has like all the kid themed rides, basically like the kid area of a theme park. Um, to get to this, you go on a transit or a train, a tra yeah, at a over on the west side of the map in Fallout, um, and this takes you to a place in Massachusetts where Nuka Cola World is, and the, you get there and the not really a greeter, a guy who sue at the bus stop says hey look my family has been like taken or killed by these raiders um that are in nuka cola world and i need your help to go save them i can't right now i'm too hurt if you go through like a bunch of dialogue with them if you have a bunch of career you can get out that he's actually not hurt he's actually not his family has not been taken but he's just supposed to be there to get you to go there so the raiders can kill you first of all um, you get to, when you do actually go to Nuka Cola World, they, you have to go through this thing called the Gauntlet first, and since it is controlled by raiders, it's pretty gory, and they put you through something, uh, basically like a maze that's supposed to get you killed, and when you, if you finally get through it, you have to face, um, the Overboss, which is the boss of the three gangs that are in, that are controlling Nuka Cola World but it's rigged, but there's a way to get out, like, there's a way to get out of the rigged situation because they don't like the overboss, they want you to overthrow him and kill him. Anyway, after you do that, and you kill him, you are now decided to become the overboss of three raider gangs in Nuka Cola World. It makes sense. And now it is, it is up to you to divvy out the land, you go take back the parks, they are controlled by, like, um, either monsters or ghouls or robots as of now, and you go take them back in the name of raider the raider uh, gangs that you want that you want to either have the most land or win the ones that you favor the most, whichever is up to you. There are only five though, so one is going to be gypped. If you try to go even, like two, two, and two, but one is only going to have one of those. 
and let me say this park is definitely well designed. It is everything I was hoping for, and it looks amazing. Very like obviously I wanted more things to be more shiny and stuff, but everything is run down because of the war and all the uh and the like hundred years whatever of raider uh, inhabitants. Um, there is a main market in Nuka Nuka Cola Town, you say whatever, um, where there are a bunch of traders who used to own Nuka Cola World before the raiders came. Now all these traders have the slave collars on. If you don't remember, if you remember from, I think it was Fallout Three had those I think um, so. slave collars, and if you run away with those slave collars on, your head will blow up because the slave collars are around your neck. Um, the messed up all the traders thing. have that on. Yeah, <laughs> they're basically their slaves. Um, three raider groups are the pack, the disciples, and the operators. Pack are basically a bunch of crazy raiders, like not your normal ones. These are like psychos who are always on like drug the drugs in the game, and uh, they all all they want is like blood and gore and violence. And they are very colorful, and they use like all the colors from uh, the Cola World to like dress up in, and like they dress up in like. Um, old stuffed animals and like antlers and crazy, crazy cool armor. And the operators, yeah, the operators are the ones that are the more sophisticated type. They are in it for the money, basically. They are the more of like, like a not your typical raider gang, basically. They want, they're doing this, they want to take over. Um, whole world for the caps it's because so they can bring more people in and make more money and they are dressed in a different type of armor it's more it's almost like wearing a suit made out of armor but not like a suit of armor I mean like a literal suit like a dressed up suit mm-hmm. and like you can even have like a tie or a, or a bow tie or even um Don't remember the name of it. One of those uh, ties that uh, they wear more in the south. They're like uh, stuff in my mind right now. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and then the last one are the disciples, and the disciples are another more like violence-loving gang. They're more stealthy about it, though, and they are more the brute force of. Uh, the gangs, and they they live their their main base is like in like a dark like underneath one of the mountains, the mountains or like one of the giant bottles. They live in one of those, and they uh, they they just love violence, just like the other one. There's not too much of a difference in their violence. They like I I did I thought there was gonna be more of a distinction between them two, but one of them is like. We're, we like colors and we like dark, but we both like violence, and that's basically it. <laughs> um, their armor is, it's actually pretty cool. It covers mo- the face most of the time, and it's like made out of full me- all metal. I'm not sure, I don't think these new armors are 
much better than like combat armor. I think they're decent, but they're not the greatest. Um, one thing, one another thing is that they did add a new gun, basically an AK-47 for anyone who knows what that is. And I'm sold. Um, <laughs> it's actually really good. Uh, I, I think, or at least I like it better than the uh, combat rifle, which was my main. Um, you can have that to either be automatic or semi-automatic, and you can give it. I wouldn't say a skin, but basically the colors of whichever faction you want, or you can keep it plain. Um, I don't want to give out too much of the story. I don't know. I don't know. Should I? Very much. Let's just say, I don't want to spoil would, anything. Would you say that this is a suitable send-off to follow up for? Um, yes, I loved it. But I also didn't like it. If you want, you don't have to be forced to become a raider. And I know when I played my guy, I was like, no, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be the nice guy of the wasteland, and I'm going to save everyone. You're going to be a nice raider. Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, near the end, they do almost force you to do things that you're not going to want to do, like with settlements and things. I didn't like that too much because when they said you don't have to do these things, you actually do. You have to do some of these things to turn the power back on and get the final suit of armor, um, the power armor. You get the, uh, there are three sets. One is just a normal XL1 or whatever. And then there's one that's a T51 Nuka-Cola uh, with a red Nuka-Cola one, which is really cool. There's also one that's locked in the Galaxy Quest area of Nuka-Cola World, and it is an XL1 uh, Nuka-Cola Quantum version. Blue, and it has a special perk that I don't remember. Um, I was not disappointed when it came to all the uh, all the uh, little quests and all the parts of the park. I loved it all, but the I just didn't want my guy to be evil. Oh, hmm. I, it's not, I'm not too worried about it. There is a quest for anyone who wants to know that if you don't want to become a raider at all, if you're just like, hey, look, these guys are literally raiders. We kill them all the time. This is what we're meant to do in Fallout 4. There is a quest for that. You get in and you talk to someone in the market, one of the slaves, and they're like, why don't you just kill all these guys? And a quest pops up and it says kill all the leaders, basically. So right. you can do that if you want. But you miss out on a little bit of the story. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't done it, so I'm not sure if you get to complete other things after you do that. Like, maybe if you get to turn on the power or not. But I think for a lot of people, I, yeah, for a lot of people, they did want to become a raider and do things like this. So I feel like it's gonna it sold. So it's if you wanted to be well. like an evil character, this is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can totally do that. You can be. You can turn on your own people that you've already set up on your settlements. Pretty darn. You can actually turn. I think you can eventually turn all of your settlements into raider settlements. Oh my! So, um, let's say, for example, someone really liked Fallout Four, and they wanted to get an expansion for the game, but you know they they don't quite have enough of the season pass. They just want to get one of the big ones. Would you recommend Nuka World? 
or what was that previous one where you went to Maine? I forget the name of it. Far Harbor. Far Harbor. Do you prefer Far Harbor or New World? Um, for story, Far Harbor. The story is better in Far Harbor. For the map, Nuka-Cola World, for sure. Overall, <laughs> overall, I'd probably say Nuka-Cola World, just because of the scenery and the gun. It's really awesome. But if you were to only get two, like extended out, maybe you can afford one more. New World and Far Harbor are the two to get, for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know how, too much else to say. I don't want to spoil all of the story for you. I I probably did a little bit, but sorry. No one cares about the story in Fallout. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty good month as far as uh, games have gone that we've been playing. Some some good, some not so good, but I think regardless, we've had some fun, fun times with that. Um. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we get into some news? We covered most of the games we are playing at the moment. Yeah, I think that like the big ones we've been playing a lot of have been Rainbow Six Siege and The Forest. They've been the big ones. Definitely recommend checking those out. So, as far as news goes, uh, there's... Like, this past month, plus a week or so, has been a lot of news, but it's not, like, big news. It's a lot of just, like, okay, I guess that's a thing. So, uh, I guess we'll go through. If anything, like, really interests you, feel free to, you know, make a comment on it. But otherwise, I'm probably just going to probably go through these. Uh, first up, the first thing I have is that the upcoming Outlast 2, the survival horror game, has been delayed until the first quarter of 2017 so for those that were hoping to get the new outlast game for halloween they're going to be a little disappointed but hopefully it ends up being a better game as a result uh let's see the other thing i have here is it's not that surprising but the open beta for the upcoming free-to-play standalone version of gwent Witcher card game got pushed back like a month or two. I think I think it's coming like later in September, later in October, something like that. I'm not not certain on it, but it's still coming. It just got pushed back a little bit. Uh, in other delays, we have it's kind of a big one depending on what kind of gamer you are. But the uh, upcoming Final Fantasy 15 got pushed back. Two whole months, I think. It was supposed to come out the middle of September and it got pushed back to the end of November or something like that. Uh, the reason stated was because they, want, they didn't want to have to release the game with day one patch. So they delayed it so that they could get the patch onto the, the finished version of the game so that when you put that disc in on day one, you don't have to download a patch, which I can respect. I, I think more game companies should be doing that. I understand why a lot of them like the idea of a day one patch, but for those that have bandwidth limitations or slower internet, we hate day one patches. 
They should not be a yeah. thing. Especially when you already have to download the game for anything. Even when you're playing on PS4 or Xbox One, you want to have to down. You almost have to download that the whole game to be able to play it like steadily. It's like here's a 50 gigabyte download for the game. Get that <laughs> get that done. You're ready to play. Here's a five gigabyte update. Damn it. So close and so after, you're so far away. Five hours and you're like, well, I can finally play my new game. Uh, nope. Um So the division is had kind of an interesting situation where the its two upcoming DLCs were both delayed. But apparently there's some information here about the upcoming patch 1.4. I don't know if this is out already. This is a couple weeks old, so it might already be applied, but you know, the, some Dark Zone and PvP rebalancing, uh, changes to the way solar player experience works. Uh, there are also, you know, some bug fixes, stuff like that. And uh, it's not written here in the article, but uh, I do believe Ubisoft is implementing a public test realm for future division changes. So if you want to get in there and be like a beta tester for upcoming division changes, I think you can do that now. Or at least soon you will be able to do that. So it's possible that the division could have this big turnaround. Not quite like how Siege did it, but like Siege eventually started off as a good thing and just got way better. So like maybe the division could start off as its thing and get better too. Like hopefully this is a positive change in the way Ubisoft is handling their game releases. Uh if so, they keep this up for a while. Uh I would like to see this also implemented with the way they're doing the Assassin's Creed series, personally. Um, but maybe that's just me. I'd love some good Assassin's Creed games to come back. Uh, next up, the Steam version of Quantum Break was originally supposed to come out on September 14th, but I think that got delayed till October or November sometime, but the Basically, the uh, there's a version of that game coming to PC that's not Windows 10 exclusive. So for those that were worried that Microsoft was just going to keep their PC games exclusive to the store in Windows 10, they're at least trying to release one of their exclusives as a non-Windows 10 exclusive. It, it, they're going to try to open up for a broader PC audience. So that's kind of a good sign that maybe they'll do that with some of their other upcoming titles because... Like I think now the plan is they're just going to keep certain games Windows 10 exclusive for a few months and then release like a Steam version down the line. That's probably what they're going to end up doing. And this is just kind of like the first of many, hopefully. Oh no, my browser. Uh, anyway, other news we have includes Sony is doing a... They, they announced that they're going to be doing a press conference Sometime confirmed that it will hold a PlayStation-focused event uh, in New York this September. The invitation does not elaborate on what will be discussed at the event, which will close that. Um, I think this is actually happening in a day or two, so that's something we may have to end up covering on the next episode. But Sony's having a big press conference coming up soon, where they're going to discuss the recently leaked PlayStation 4 Slim uh, and how the Neo 
is going to work and how like that is supposed to change the way PlayStation goes from here on out. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Um, also, I don't know if you guys check this out, but Spotify now has a special gaming section, which includes like playlists from notable streamers and YouTubers, as well as complete original soundtracks or games. Uh, looking at it, their selection right now, they have like the No Man's Sky soundtrack. They have the soundtracks for all the Bungie Halos. They have Uncharted 4, The Last of Us. So if you like listening to the soundtrack music, there's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, definitely a couple that are worth checking out for sure. Spotify is just you know a good service that gets better and better all the time, arguably. Um. Yeah. Okay. The like spiritual successor, spiritual successor to the Roller Coaster Tycoon series called Planet Coaster is getting its release date on the seventeenth of November of this year. So for those that liked sim like games or just building roller coasters and causing havoc on your park goers, rejoice. That will be coming to you soon. If you if you liked Roller Coaster Tycoon, this sounds like a good idea. I recommend taking a look at this because it looks super well polished and really well done. Even like better than the old Tycoon games. So I've heard good I've, things about really Planet Coaster. Well. Yeah. This next one makes my blood boil. I'm saying it right now. Why? Konami announces Metal Gear Survive. This this makes me very upset because, I mean, sure, like Hideo Kojima and his legendary franchise, the Metal Gear Solid, he's not there anymore. So obviously, there's just this big IP sitting around that no one's really going to be able to do much with. Konami decides we're gonna, you know, we're gonna continue on that legacy. We're gonna do something with the franchise. This very unique, very like thoughtful experience and then the first thing they do with it is they turn it into a co-op survival shooter against zombies gosh <laughs> they take this unique original series and turn it into the most generic thing possible i mean i don't want to write it off because the idea of like a co-op survival game with the engine and mechanics of Metal Gear Solid Five sounds awesome, but I'm just worried that they're going to try to like change the story that was has already been established and that should not be touched, and they're going to do something with it that's going to mess up the whole series. But alas, that's just my Metal Gear Solid fanboy speaking, and it could end up being a decent game for all I know. But that's coming out on Xbox One, PS4, and PC sometime in 2017. Uh, not strictly gaming related, but Twitch.tv has purchased Curse, the the very uh, really? the very chat service that we're using right now, is now owned by Twitch. So I'm curious to see how they're going to implement Curse into broadcasts or like how streamers utilize it. They already have a thing where you can link your Twitch account to Curse. 
and then whenever you go live on Twitch, it like automatically broadcasts to people that you're friends with or you're in groups with that you're going live. But like, I don't know what they're gonna do beyond that because like that was the thing before they even bought it. But it's it's interesting. Uh, Twitch, which is now an Amazon company, is continuing to buy assets and continue to grow. So that's pretty cool. I'd like to see that going on. Good stuff. Uh, we mentioned this earlier, but the images of a PS4 Slim Edition were leaked. And there's there were actually unboxing videos of it. It's a real thing. Uh, it's it, it's definitely thinner, but like as far as the amount of surface area it's going to take up on your desk, it's roughly the same. I'm personally not a big fan of the design of it. It looks kind of ugly, and I... I missed the design on the front, but for those that just want something a little lighter, it's a good option. Although, with the announcement of the upgraded PS4 Neo, whatever you want to call it, coming out soon, maybe not the best time to buy a PS4 unless there's some exclusives you really want to play. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Someone's well, insulting. The way I heard it explained um, by someone else is saying that they're switching to like these tier based systems. Like Xbox is following suit as well. So like you can buy the base Xbox or the base PS4 for like 200, 250 bucks. So you could go up to like the S models, the slim or like slightly better where you get HDR and 4K video playback, not gaming. Uh huh. Next iterations like the Neo and the scorpio come out that would be like the third tier which is like the 4k gaming boxes so like they'll have the 200 dollar ish the 300 dollar ish and then like hey oh so it might be like 200 to 300 for entry uh you know 300 to 500 for mid tier and then like 500 to 600 for top tier i think that's where both the companies are going because they usually follow suit of each other and with the announcement of Microsoft saying that Scorpio is going to be the last Xbox ever. It's a bold um, claim right there. I think that uh, PlayStation is like, oh, well, maybe we should get a little diversity out in the market. So we kind of look, you know, competitive with uh, Xbox, Microsoft. A bit daunting as a company whose main source of entertainment is gaming and one of the alleged elitist platforms is merging with your competition right i i just hope that like the, the these new models can live up to what people are expecting out of them i mean it never happens but like hopefully they're decent machines because i know yeah. uh there was like the leaked uh specifications for the neo that were quite underwhelming I, ho I hope those are not the, those are not real because there's literally only like a, what was it, like a 20 to 30% increase in performance from the regular PlayStation to the Neo, which is... Well, they said the CPU and the GPU were either twice as powerful or just over two times. I don't think it was that much. Because I... I hope it they is. Went from like two, they went from like two teraflops to like 4.4. What I saw, but that's we'll, we'll what see. I saw in that week. We're only <laughs> about a day away from like an official unveiling of that machine, so hopefully 
they can put any of these uh, rumors to rest, and we know for sure what we're dealing with. Yeah. I'm hoping for something a little bit closer to Scorpio, but that might be a little too much to ask for at this time. A lot of people were rumoring that PlayStation is leaking all this hardware to uh, cover up some big bombshells of software side. Like, like we'll see. They're, like they're going to announce new games or something. Like I heard rumors of uh, Red Dead Two. That that is the thing that people have been rumoring. I, I I'm refusing um, to get my hopes up this time because like the past two times I've <laughs> mentioned it, we've been wrong. So and maybe Kojima will uh, debut some gameplay from his new game. I don't know. Oh, please. We'll, we'll see. Maybe I, they're but, just but that, trying that, to hide some bigger. The Last of Us Two. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. Anyways, uh, in other PlayStation news, for those that just love hearing about PlayStation. Uh, they have brought their stream, their like online streaming service, PlayStation Now, to PC, as well as unveiled a USB adapter to connect your DualShock 4s to the computer. It's already possible to do that with like a USB cable that comes with the PlayStation, but now you can do it wirelessly. And for those that don't know what PlayStation Now is, it lets you like stream games straight to your machine and play them like you would a YouTube video or something. Now, the problem with that is there's usually a little bit of input lag from my experience with other services similar to this, but not quite enough to where it ruins the experience unless you were trying to do something like play God of War. That might be a little hard, but for most games, you should be just fine. So now if you wanted to go back and replay some classic PlayStation 3 titles that you may have missed, you can pay the like $15 subscription fee to get a month of PlayStation Now, and just stream it straight to your computer. And because the good thing is because it doesn't necessarily run off of your hardware, it's more about your internet bandwidth. You might be able to play these games even if you're stuck on a low-end laptop. Probably not the best way to do it, but you might be able to get biofits. Who knows? Do you have to own a PlayStation to do this? I think the the way PlayStation Now works is... If you're playing a PlayStation 3 game, it will require you to plug in a DualShock 3 controller. So, like, you'll need the PlayStation 3 controller to do PlayStation 3 games. And if there's any PlayStation 4 games on there, I think you would need the DualShock 4. But, like, but it's you can just go being and get... run on your computer? Or is it being run on your PlayStation and then streamed to your computer? Running on your computer. Okay. But because it's not, like rendering the graphics it's, themselves it's it's streaming it's like the, some cloud computing thing it's some humble jumble techie thing but the point is may not be the best way to experience these games but now there's another way to do it for those that don't want to go out and buy a new machine they can just pay like it's like a 15 dollar a month subscription fee get access to the game so if you only want to pay one month sub you get 30 days to try to play through some of these games that may be enough, that may not, but it's it's more options for those that haven't had the chance to go buy all the consoles in the past. That's it's cool. Cool. Um this is this uh next piece of news is something that we've been waiting for for a while, at least I have. But the announcement is that Dark Souls 3 Ashes of Arendelle, the new or first piece of DLC for Dark Souls 3 is coming out on October 25th of this year. 
Uh, personally, as a big fan of Dark Souls 1, I'm very hyped for this because it's even more of a merger between like the first Dark Souls and Dark Souls 3 where you're actually going to be like returning to an optional area that existed in the first Dark Souls game called the Painted World. I think that's what's going on. Like, you know, the way Dark Souls works is nothing's actually like black and white. It's always a little unknown what's actually going on. You're, like you have to interpret some things quite often. But like everyone that I consider like a Dark Souls expert is speculating that's what's going on in this trailer is that you're returning to a classic area. And it's going to link the events that have happened in Dark Souls 3 to more of that lore from the original Dark Souls. So there, there's just a lot of fan service going on here. And the new enemies and new weapons look great. I have no doubt that this will continue the, the tradition of excellent Dark Souls DLC that more often than not surpasses the quality of the base game somehow. I don't know how they do it. But like the past, like the past three or four games they've had, the DLC has been better than most of the stuff in the actual base game, which is already excellent. So uh, sign me up for this. Although it is coming out on the same day as The Last Guardian, so I'm a little conflicted with that. I guess we'll see. Uh, more, more. Have they confirmed? Have they confirmed how many the DLC they're going to be adding? Is it just this, or I think they said two. There's this one two. coming out this fall. And then they said the second one will be coming out spring 2017. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. It's a big gap. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do for the last piece because that's the end of the Dark Souls series, sort of. They said that. Technically. They said that after the third Dark Souls are done, they, they're going to go work on some other stuff, at least for a while. So, like, like how how do you, like bringing a series like Dark Souls to an end, like, wh what's that going to be like? I have no yeah. idea what to expect. It's, it's literally just going to be every boss making a return for one final fight. That's what it like looked that. like in the trailer. <laughs> they did show a lot of, like, Dark Souls 3 bosses, so I don't know what that means. I but... saw... I swear, I don't know if it was just me thinking it was that, but I swear I saw a Bloodborne boss in there in that video. You may or may not have been right. I don't know. Dark Souls is weird, man. All I can say is I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Give me more suffering and pain. Basically. Speaking of suffering and pain, for those that were really into it, Microsoft has canceled its free-to-play Russian-exclusive Halo Online multiplayer game. Aptly titled Halo Online. Russian-exclusive? It was only available in Russia unless you went to Reddit and downloaded the hacked version, which allowed English players to play it on their private servers. Which, which will still be going because like it's not run on Microsoft servers, so that's still going to keep going unless Microsoft decides to step in and uh, issue a cease and desist on them. But yeah, I think the timing of this is interesting considering. This is like what just a couple weeks before they release Halo Five Forge to PC. It comes out in a few days. A few days. Yeah. So like, I wonder if they did this just because of that, or maybe there's more Halo related stuff coming to the computer soon that we don't know about. 
They would they just want to focus on that. Get everyone playing that instead of this free to play game. I'm not I'm not saying it's Master Chief Collection or anything like that, but I don't know what Microsoft's planning on doing. They've been a little unpredictable as far as Halo news has been. Uh yep, rip in peace. Uh Halo Online for those that were into it. Oh yeah, this is interesting. So do you guys know much about EVE Online? I don't love it. Uh, it's it was just like this OG massive space simulator with uh, the player controlled economy yeah. and the po politics all run by players. Nothing to, like in the actual game is like automatized. It's all done by players. The, the the community of Eve has just been insane. Like the reason why I bring this up is because they announced recently that even though the game's been exclusively a subscription based game for forever, just about they're releasing a like starter trial edition that's that gives you access to the game in a limited capacity for free so this is going to bring a lot of fresh blood into this very player driven economy focused game which is going to have a lot of interesting effects i feel like like I'm, i don't even care about the, the game have... itself but go ahead i think people have built like don't get me wrong, but I think people have like actually built jobs on top of the economy system in the game, like outside of the game. Oh yeah, they have. Like, and I think people sell and buy property and/or ships in that game for massive amounts of money. The real world money trading in Eve is pretty massive. I don't know if it's as big a problem as is the way WoW affects the economy. Good, like Eve is a very weird community because they're their own like tight tight knit, close community that does insane things that we never hear about until a huge war breaks out. Like every once in a while, I'll be on Reddit, and then like at the top of Reddit, there will be this post that's like. The the biggest war ever in Eve Online has just broken out, including like hundreds of people, you know, like thousands of people, it's taking place over the course of dozens of hours. I'm just like, okay, so you mean to tell me that somewhere in the world, there's like thousands of people that have been fighting in this war for the past day, over some meaningless meaningless thing? Like usually, I think one of the wars started because some like newbie that belonged to one. Uh, like faction cross paths with the wrong guys and they just they just picked a fight with the wrong guy and it caused all the op the opposing factions to just like go at each other's throats and it just escalated really fast into the biggest war that ever happened in this game i, I don't know okay well, stuff like that is like that, what that have you not taken a history class that's how like 90 percent of wars start <laughs> That was like that. It was like ninety, like fifty percent of the wars that uh, happened back in like Roman times. Wars broke out because a random merchant that got killed or something. No, like uh, with Ro don't you remember there was like, oh, uh, I like. It was like I I liked your uh, wife or whatever, and so I I decided I was gonna steal her, 
Helen and all that so, war broke out because two families. It was like one of that was like one of the biggest wars uh, Rome and Greece had was over uh, one guy stealing another guy's wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I stupid shit like, like that. that. Like it's funny that even in in player driven things, uh, they they mirror history without intending to do it. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, I find Eve stories to be some of the most interesting things to read, but I don't have any interest of ever like wanting to participate in anything like this because it. For those that play the game, it is like another job for them, where it's just a lot of slow-paced grinding to earn money, and then like live out your life in space. Yeah, like highlights of Eve are amazing. So, the fact that they're trying to incorporate more people to get involved with this community is it's interesting. I I like to, I hope some other big event occurs as a result of this. I just don't know what it would be or what to expect from it. Interesting stuff though. Uh, let's talk about the recently announced buddy system for Pokemon Go. Uh, I think we might have mentioned this earlier, but like. Niantic is slowly releasing updates that are definitely improving the quality of the game from where it was a couple weeks ago. May not get back to that like original high we had at the start, but it's definitely going in the right direction, I feel like. And this is probably the best thing they've announced since the release of the game, which is now you will be able to pick a buddy Pokemon, which will stand next to you while you're you know in your character screen. It won't be with you in the map, but... It'll be with you, next to your character when you're just looking at your stats or something. And as you walk, the Pokemon will sort of gain experience. Like, it, it won't level up or anything. But just by walking with your buddy Pokemon, you will earn a candy for that specific Pokemon. Which means, if you happen to have one Pokemon that's better on the rare side, and you're like... You're unsure if you're ever going to be able to find more of it to get more candy for it, to evolve it, whatever. You can just make it your buddy Pokemon. And just by walking like you would to hatch eggs, you're going to unlock candy that you can use to evolve that Pokemon eventually. Now, the rate's not fantastic. It's generally anywhere between one to three kilometers per candy. Which means, you know, if you're trying to evolve a Dratini or something, expect to walk a lot of miles. A lot of miles. I uh, just, for some reason, when I think of this, I just picture someone with a Magikarp on a leash and walking down the side of the road. That's gonna, <laughs> dude. They know they said that Magikarp, the rate of Magikarp candy is gonna be one kilometer per candy. Ooh. I'm like, oh my god, you mean to tell me I only have to walk 400 kilometers to get a Gyarados? Don't know how much determination I. <laughs> I will walk with determination. But th I think this is very good, not because, you know, like, oh, well, we'll get to walk and get more rewards. But, like, this is a way for you to take maybe, like, a starter Pokemon, actually have some sort of bond with it, and bring some worth to it that it used to not have at all. But let's be honest. Your starter Pokemon is the most worthless Pokemon you'll ever get in Pokemon Go. Um, so the fact that, you know, you can make that your buddy Pokemon... 
and just by walking it's going to generate candy you'll be able to level it up you'll be able to evolve it that's cool stuff like you can actually do something with maybe the less favorable pokemon or just a rare pokemon that you want to eventually evolve for the pokedex reasons so uh two thumbs up for me as far as this update goes uh hopefully just keep it up because uh let me let me some pokemon want to see this do well Next up on the block, we have the announcement of the 20th anniversary edition of Duke Nukem 3D, getting a remastered version and coming to PS4, Xbox One, PC, October 11th for about 20 bucks. For those that are fan of old school uh, first-person shooters, get a remastered version of the Duke himself and all his raunchiness. Good, good stuff there, I suppose. Uh, the third season of Telltale's The Walking Dead series, which is going to be called Telltale, A New Frontier, I believe, is coming out. The first episode that's coming out this November on the 2nd, I think, or just sometime in November, probably. Uh, it looks like you're going to be playing as an actual like teenage Clementine this time. She's no, She's no longer the young child, I think. What they did is they had a multiple year time jump between the second and third seasons here. So for those that want to maybe see a more matured Clementine, a little bit more hardened of Clementine, uh, you're probably going to be excited about this upcoming season. Uh, I know I am. I haven't. They had like a spinoff series of Michonne. I haven't played yet, but hopefully I get. Uh, hopefully you know this lives up to the previous installments of the series because I think. A lot of people tend to hold the first season in high regards. Maybe not the second one as much, but generally still favorable. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's coming out in November. Uh, this, these next couple of things are not exactly news, but they're interesting things to talk about. The, the first one I want to mention is that, shockingly, people on the Internet got upset about something. Um, what I mean by that is an early access survival game that we've talked about previously on the show called Ark Survival Evolved did something that no one else has really done yet, which is they released a piece of paid DLC for their early access title. Uh, so in essence, even though they're selling this incomplete game, it's still being worked on. They're still saying, yeah, we're working on the game. It's our main priority, whatever. They had a team on the side working on con extra content for the game specifically to be sold to people that have already bought into the incomplete game. So to me, this feels really weird because like you have this incomplete game that still needs a lot of work. You know, there's still some polishing. There's still some bug fixes that they need to work on. And then they go and make this they have the side project, which is essentially, hey, spend more money on this incomplete game because reasons. And I, I don't think it's because of any more funding, because this arc has been on Steam's top sellers list for what seems like over a year now. Consistently, every week, every month or so, it's still there. It's still selling very well. So I don't know why they felt like they needed to try to like bribe people for more money to 
spin on this incomplete game. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about it? Like, that's just my thought. It feels wrong to me. Although I feel like you know, if you're really enjoying the game, you should be able to spend some money on it and get more enjoyment out of it. Yeah, that wasn't a smart move on their part. The internet was furious. The game's not done. Why oh, would you? Why? <laughs> yeah, when you release new things when it's in early access, that literally would mean that this is going towards the full game that doesn't count as DLC. Your game's not done yet. I don't know. Why are you diverting man hours to this other thing that's not part of the finished game? Just finish the game. And then you can work on DLC. Just, yeah. just finish the game. It's that simple. Just a game. Uh, one last bit of news before we move on to other topics, which uh, is really quickly. We, we talked about this game before in the show, which is uh, Stardew Valley, the uh, Harvest Moon clone that was made by a single man. Uh, there's a big update for it coming out, which is going to add some more variety to some of the things we were complaining about, which is like when you first get the farm, it's really mess messy and there's not a whole lot you can do with it at first. But now he's adding an update where when you first make a new character, you can change the layout of the farm at first. So if you know you're more of a fisherman type player, you can create a farm that's going to have rivers going through it so you can fish right then and there. Or if you're the kind of player that likes mining, you will be able to generate a farm at the start that has a lot of ores naturally there. So if you like doing that, you don't have to go all the way to the top of the map in order to go mining for ores. So like you're able to more personalize your farm experience here, which is pretty nice. Uh, he also mentioned how uh, some of the complaints about the game include that there's no end game content. Like once you have a farm that's up and running and you're making money, there's nothing else to do. So he added a, a couple of he he changed a couple of the characters so that he made them eligible for relationships. Uh, he also added a couple of new buildings to work for, towards. Uh, they're supposed to be very expensive, money and uh, material wise. I don't know what these buildings are. Like one of them's a mill they can use to craft new food items, and I don't know what the other one is. He he, he was teasing one, but he never actually said what it was. Uh, so I don't know what that is, but it's like some expensive late game building to work towards, which sounds cool to me. This update's not quite big enough for me to want to dive back into the game so soon. But uh, he, he did say that uh, the console versions of the game is still being worked on. Those should be coming out by the end of this year. And then after that, the main priority is getting the multiplayer implemented in the game. And that should be coming out sometime early next year, around spring maybe. That's probably when I'll get sucked back into this game for a dozen or so more hours because this game's awesome. If you're into the farming life sim kind of games, this is probably one of the best ones I've ever played. And I will I accept full responsibility for possibly ruining your life if you get sucked into this game. Because you you will. You will spend a lot of time with this game. Yeah. It's hard to get out of it. It just happens. Uh, and that's it for the news for this month. There was quite a bit of it, but like, yeah, like I said, not all of it was uh, massive. It was just kind of like, okay, that's a, that's a thing. Uh, real quickly though, let's. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of rumors I heard. 
again, these are just rumors, not very credible. They could be anything. They could just be some random joke trying to cause trouble. But uh, interesting to think about. Don't get your hopes up too much. But uh, a couple of ones I heard include Blizzard's going to like start this new initiative to remaster some of their older games. The first one probably being the original StarCraft Brood War series, which would make sense considering StarCraft 2 has not been as successful as they would have hoped for. Everyone always says that they preferred the way the original game was played or how they handled that. So I guess it makes sense that they just copy that. I don't know. As a StarCraft fan, I'd be down with it, actually. But that, that's just a rumor. Uh, we probably won't know any concrete details until it gets leaked or they make an announcement probably November at BlizzCon. That'd be my guess. Uh, another interesting thing, again, there's no concrete solid details on this but apparently a patent was filed for a game under the title of fallout new orleans by obsidian software um i think this might have been a misinterpretation because obsidian does have a project that they're working on that they are calling project Louisiana or something like that, but most people suspect it's actually a sequel to what is that game called? Uh, Divinity Original Sin. But the fact that there there happened to be a patent come out for Fallout New Orleans is interesting. Although I think if they did a game set in New Orleans or Louisiana, they wouldn't call it Fallout New Orleans. That's my take on that. Take with a grain of salt if you wish. Uh. This one is probably the most credible of everything on this on this rumor list, but uh, apparently on a Korean ratings board, they let slip that there is a collection of the Ezio Assassin's Creed games coming to PS4 and Xbox One. I've seen a couple of different sources on this, so it might be more of a leak than a rumor, but... Uh, so if you're looking forward to like remastered versions of Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, and what what was that middle one? No, it was 2, Brotherhood, oh, uh, and Revelations. I think Brotherhood, was, uh, there was... Uh, was it Revelations? No. Yeah, Revelations. That's what I thought. That was it, yeah. Most people would try to say those are the... Some of the more popular Assassin's Creed games, just because Exio is a fan favorite. But we'll see. I'm probably not really excited about the idea of it, but for those that want to have the Assassin's Creed games on their next-gen consoles, it's a chance to do that. Uh, and the last rumor, we already mentioned this earlier. I'm not getting my hopes up because we've been wrong on this before. But apparently, although it's not necessarily a new Red Dead Redemption... There's a remastered version of Red Dead Redemption coming out for PC, Xbox One, and PS4. And supposedly it's going to be announced at the uh, Sony press event coming very soon. So uh, tune in to the next episode when we talk about that. See how right or how wrong we were about that. I already have a sneaking rumor what we're going to be, but I'd like to be proven wrong on that. As far as relevant gaming events have gone uh some of the bigger ones that happened were the dota 2 invitational event happened this uh this month 
back at the earlier part of the month, I believe. It's a, like the largest esports event in the world, I want to say. The hype's, the hype's NASA for it. And just to kind of give you an idea of what happened, the, uh, the winner of the grand finals took home $9 million. Just, for just, Dota. just the winning team. So like $9 million split between five players and organization members, which for a video game competition is insane. Yeah. Most video game competitions have like a total price pool of a million dollars or less. The winning team alone took home $9 million. I think the total price pool for this was closer to $30 million or something like that. Maybe it wasn't that high, but it was really high. Over 20. So that was cool. Um, for those curious, the finals were between the North American team, Digital Chaos, and the Chinese team, Wins Gaming. I won't spoil the results. If you're interested in checking that out, you should be able to find videos of the finals somewhere on YouTube. They're all over the place, multiple channels. Uh, another big event that happened this month was GamesCon happened. I know we were talking a bit about it last month, but uh, a couple of things that happened were there, there's quite a bit of gameplay footage and stuff shown for uh, titles like Mafia 3, The Surge, Halo Wars 2, Titanfall 2, Mount Blade 2, and Sea of Thieves. So uh, for those games that were like announced at E3 or teased at E3, there's not a lot more gameplay available for them. So like you could probably go on YouTube and find some more information about that. Uh, also... Just going to kind of quickly, on the 1st of, November, 1st of September, there was a Nintendo Direct event, which they just kind of came out, and we're talking about, about the upcoming lineup for 3DS games. Naturally, they had a new trailer for Pokemon Sun Moon, which showed some cool stuff off. Uh, they also announced that they're making Super Mario Maker, which was previously a Wii U exclusive. They're making a version of it for 3DS, so now you can create... Uh, your own Mario levels while on the go and play like user generated maps pretty much anywhere. Um, so that's cool. I'm probably going to end up picking that up eventually. Uh, also, they announced uh, a Yoshi's Woolly World for 3DS as well as a brand new Pikmin title. It's not like a remake or anything. I think it's like a brand new Pikmin game. So it'll be all new stuff, new mechanics. Uh, and that, that should do it for events of the month. Before we uh, close out the show, let's talk about some of the games that released this month, if you missed them. Uh, not not a game, but the Xbox One S came out at the very beginning of August. I think most people have been pretty happy with that. I, I heard that because of the new technology, and it actually has a relatively, a relatively noticeable bump in performance. I don't know how big it is, but like games will run better on the Xbox One S. So if you're really wanting to get an Xbox right now, that's a, probably the best one to get. Uh, other games include Abzu, which is like the free swimming exploration game underwater. Uh, Telltale released their Batman game. This is the Police, which is a like police economy management game. Came out on Steam. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Legends went into open beta, so if you're looking for a free-to-play card game that's not Hearthstone, that's an option, and it's set in the Elder Scrolls universe. 
all the characters from the previous series as well as you know skyrim whatever if you're into that uh no man's sky came out to some relatively negative negative press and uh you can check that out to be on ps4 and pc uh ubisoft's grow up came up came out we also have tales tales of Assyria. I I do believe Ark Survival of the Fittest came out on PS4. F1 2016, which is a racing game, came out. Deus Ex Mankind Divided has been released. Also, as well as Attack on Titan, the video game, which, surprisingly, I heard is actually quite good. I I, I don't know. I haven't played it. I just heard from the critics that Attack on Titan, the game, is actually good and is worth playing. So, depending on how much you like critics or believe their opinions go ahead and check that out i think they have it available on pc ps3 ps4 xbox one and ps vita i don't know if there's a 360 version or not uh if battlefield one it hasn't done it for you you can check out verdun on xbox one and ps4 the world war one shooter a little bit more realistic i mean now it's polished uh madden 2017 has been released Inside has previously been released on PC and now there's a PS4 version of it. The very interesting. You're a fan of it. Inside, yeah, it was a it interesting good. story. It's like a two-hour game, maybe less if you beat it faster. But interesting story that it never really comes out what's going on exactly. It's all speculation. I still need to play that. Like, like I said, it's short and sweet. If you can find it for a good deal, definitely jump in on that. Um, the newest expansion for arguably the biggest game of all time, World of Warcraft, has been released in Sidon Legion. From what I've heard of people I know that are big in the WoW, this is probably the best, or at least the second best expansion the WoW has ever had. So if you were tempted to get back into the WoW series, uh... Now it's probably a good time to do it, but if you're into it, you probably already have, because I know how some people are with WoW. It's like actual crack for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, classic action horror game version of Four has got a rem like a updated version for Xbox One and PS4. I don't know if it's remastered; it might just be re-released. But now you can play it on your Xbox One and PS4. A uh, Portal-inspired first-person puzzle game, The Turing Test, has been released for PC, Xbox One. Uh, basically, the spiritual successor to Myst has been released on PC, and it's called Abduction. I've heard good things about that. The Witcher 3 has released a Game of the Year edition, which includes the base game, its updates, and all of its DLC on one disc. You can download it on PC, Xbox One, or PS4. So, uh, if you haven't checked out The Witcher 3, do it. Some people are joking that they should have just called this the Game of the Generation Edition. And I know it's a joke, but they're really not that far off. Just yeah, saying. Just saying. Game. Just saying. It's a good game. Although, if you're not in the open world of RPGs, that's understandable. It's not your thing. It's still a good game. Uh, we, we talked about this earlier, but Fallout 4's final piece of DLC called Nuka World has been released. Uh, if you're also into Bethesda games, consider checking out the released total conversion mod for the for skyrim called enderall basically if you like skyrim but you want more of it with a different world 
uh, not different, like a different map, different lore, different characters, a different story. Just like more of that gameplay, but set a different setting. Uh, there's the, the free mod Ender All is available on PC now. Uh, I've heard great things about it. Some people, most people that have played it have actually said that they prefer it over Vanilla Skyrim. So, I mean, that's pretty good phrase right there, I think. Also, uh, this is another game we talked about before on the show. It's been a little while, but Paragon has opened its beta up for everyone to play. You used to have to pay to get into it, but now I think it's open to everyone. Uh, Noah, have you been keeping up with that game at all? Like, how's it um, doing? I played it a couple times and watched some of the heroes come out. The new heroes coming out for it look really it's... interesting. It yeah, it looks amazing. Unfortunately, the gameplay is very slow. That's my biggest gripe of the it's game. It's still a sixty-minute game thing. Yeah, like it has the same problem a lot of other modes have, which is games tend to drag out a long time. So, they're... I think it was partially my interpretation misinterpretation of how the game was going to be but they like in all the trailers up to the game they kind of pitched like this fast paced like you know brutal 5v5 you know arena style MOBA and then when you got to it it's basically a third person league where it's like these slow drawn out farm up like when you get to the point of the game where you are just kind of grouping of your teammates and going for objective it's it's a lot of fun but Right. That's it's like just a, it takes like four, up to that point. It takes like forty minutes cool. to get there. Yeah. Eh. So I don't really have the time to play forty minute games at a time. It's like do you want to play in for those forty minutes? Do you want to play one game of Paragon, which might go bad early on, and then you're behind for the rest of the hour, or do you want to go and play like three rounds of Rainbow Six Siege? Not three rounds, right. like three actual uh, matches, which could include like a dozen rounds. Yeah. So like I don't know, that's like a whole whole thing where balancing and character design and all that. Stuff. Yeah, some of the design in the game is really into, cool, but it suffers from a lot of MOBA tropes. A MOBA that looks very very good aesthetically plays like all the other MOBAs. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. As far as as far as. Uh, that goes. I don't know. Maybe I'll come back to it here when I have more time during a school break or something. But right at the moment, I don't have an hour to devote to playing one game where I could play several or just play a single player game and pause at my leisure. That's that's the unfortunate thing about long multiplayer games. But uh, uh, moving on, there was yet another free to play trading card game that was released called Duelist. I don't know as much about this one, but I've also heard some pretty good things about it, so it might be worth checking out if you love games that are similar to Magic the Gathering. I think of all the mentioned free-to-play card games, this one is probably the most like Magic. I can't I can't confirm that. That's just that's just my speculation on that. What I've seen. Uh and lastly, I don't really know much about this, but apparently there was a Mr. Robot iOS and Android game from the makers of Oxenfree and the Telltale games called Exfiltration 8.APK or something like that. I don't, I know very little about this. I know you're a big fan of this 
series know? Like, do you know anything about this or like what it is? Is it some sort of just gimmicky app that ties into the show somehow, or is there like actually anything gameplay wise that goes with it? Um, I've heard about it, but I haven't downloaded it. I I love the show. It's a fantastic series. I haven't looked into it a lot. I've I heard it mentioned. Um, but I just assumed it was some gimmicky kind of thing, but you know, I could be wrong. Like be a pretty cool like Easter egg filled or maybe even technically challenging app because the show does stay pretty uh pretty accurate when it comes to technology. Right. I could I can imagine some really interesting twists and turns turns that they do with that. Manipulating yeah. technology in a certain way. But anyway, that that's kind of the those are some games that have come out in August that you can look forward to. Uh, as we look forward to the rest of September, I don't know if any of these have come out yet. We're already a week into September. We're a little late with this episode, but uh, it's okay. So by the end of September, some of the games that you can look forward to include the PS4 and PS Vita version of Darkest Dungeon, the remastered Bioshock collection for PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Uh, Dead Rising and Dead Rising 2 are getting a port to the more modern systems like PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Halo 5 is finally making its way to Forge. Not making its way to Forge. Halo 5 Forge is finally making its way to PC. Uh, it will be a Windows 10 exclusive. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up leaving that one as an exclusive because it has the... It needs something to do with the anniversary update. So I don't know if it will be compatible with Windows 7 ever, but it's finally making its way to another system. Which it will be the first Halo game to do that since Halo Two. Halo Two. It's been a long time. Stuff. So uh, and it's gonna be free. So I'm definitely gonna be checking it out. I think we all are. Uh, going in there, creating their our own custom maps and custom game modes, and then trying them out in the in the lobby system. That should be cool. Uh, fan of sports games, we have NHL 2017. NBA 2K17 and FIFA 17 all coming out this month. Uh, ReCore is going to be launching on PC and Xbox One, as well as Forza Horizon 3 for PC and Xbox One. Ooh. I know you're excited for that one, Noah. Um, the potential Game of the Year candidate, Sonic Boom, Fire, and Ice is coming out for 3DS. That's not even funny. <laughs> that, yeah, that was bad sarcasm on my part. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Poor Sonic never catches a break. Games, man. Don't even finish this. <laughs> don't do it, man. Just don't do it. Um, it's more of a glitch than <laughs> It's more of a glitch. Oh, good times. Uh, the second episode of Telltale's Batman game series is coming out sometime in September. I don't know the exact date on that. Uh, XCOM 2 is getting an Xbox One and PS4 version release. The Witness, which is like a first-person puzzle solver on an island, is getting a release on Xbox One sometime. Warhammer 40,000, The Eternal Crusade, it's uh, some sort of third-person action RPG, MMO thing, set in the Warhammer 40k universe, it's coming on PC sometime this month. And finally, Jazz Punk, the director's cut, is coming to PS4. Let me just say, if you guys don't know what Jazz Punk is, go on YouTube. Go to Video Game Donkey's channel, find his video on Jazz Punk, and enjoy five minutes of hilariousness, and then get Jazz Punk for yourself. It looks awesome. 
might be biased, but I find his, that video in particular hilarious. And yeah, that, I think that's going to wrap up this September preview. Uh, any titles on there that stick out in particular to you guys? Like, what, what do you think for sure you're going to be checking out? What interests you somewhat? Forza, Halo. Microsoft um, coming out strong. Maybe ReCore. I don't know. Didn't look that interesting, but who knows? I don't know. I have so much to do already. <laughs> so many games to already play. That backlog, though. We'll see. Seriously. I, and then I have to beat Fallout 4. I want to replay a bunch of games. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see if I pick up anything new this month. Okay. Um... I think that's I think it's gonna do it. So for this episode of Mouse and Joystick, we're gonna sign off and wish everybody a very good day or night, depending on when you're listening to this. And we hope to see you back here for the next episode sometime at the end of September, where we'll recap some of these games we may have played or may not have played. We'll probably have played some other games in the meantime. Talk to you about our stories with Halo 5. Until then, have a good one guys. Wake me when you need me.